I have shocking news. Tumblr is getting rid of all their porn. <laughs> what am I going to do? Babe! Uh, I guess it depends on who you are and, and uh, who your friends are, but the shockwaves are moving through the interwebs with people I know. And it's not only gay men, it's, it's straight women, too. Um, I guess Tumblr, which I thought was only for porn, apparently, <laughs> apparently isn't. And um, it, they're getting rid of all the adult content. Even Not even a nipple can show. And uh, what am I to do? <laughs> it's really funny because people are like, bye, Tumblr. See ya. Bye, Felicia. I'm getting rid of my Tumblr. Tumblr is dead. Tumblr's going to go bankrupt. And it's funny because I really didn't think Tumblr was for anything else but porn. Allegedly. So um, I'm just putting some feelers out there. Like, what's the replacement? Now, porn is, there's so many, I'm very pro-sex worker, so I'm not here to judge. Remember, I was once in love with uh, uh, Dick, what was his name? <laughs> Dick Rambottom, uh, his porn name. But his real name was Jerry, and I loved him, and he chose a life of, of sex work. And I'm not going to judge. Do I want my son to choose this life? No, but um, I don't. I don't judge the the porn people. I know that it's probably not the most pristine industry, but there's a place for it. But I think uh, I read an article or, or heard it on NPR, <laughs> like NPR does articles uh, reports about porn. But it desensitizes you to the point where you've seen so many images in your lifetime that nothing in real life could ever possibly compare. So I think you you have to use it wisely. Uh, but I, uh, to quote one of my female friends, now how am I going to rub one out? <laughs> Which I never heard a female say that before. I kind of love it. Um, but yeah, so this is shocking news. Tumblr is getting the December 17th, the day the music died. Uh, so, you know, I'm just, it's hard to concentrate with that news looming over my head. Also, I have great news. My parents can score their own weed now. Can you believe? There were some tragedies along the way. They ran out of my mother's brand, Awake, which is uh, more CBD than uh, THC. Did I say that right? Uh, it's like a 20 to 1 ratio. And apparently there's like a national shortage of of her ratio of marijuana. So when I went there uh, the day before Thanksgiving, they were like, yeah, we don't have any. And people are pissed. I'm like, yeah, I'm one of those people. So I called another dispensary, Pharmacanus, and they were also out. So I called a third uh, pharmacy, or I guess that's what you would call it, a dispensary, uh, the botanist. And they're like, we, we do have it. But they, we just ran your cards through, and your cards have been deactivated by the Department of Health. So because of a, a glitch, that's what the man told me on the phone. Yeah, the system's real glitchy. My mom and I were, like, expelled from the marijuana community. So even if they did have it, we're not authorized to buy it. And so I had to call the neurologist, and they had to do a new certificate. And then I had to get approved and get my mom approved. But meanwhile, Pharmacanus came through with some marijuana. You wouldn't think that this podcast is about Hanukkah, <laughs> but that's what it's about. Um, Pharmacanus came through, and it was like 10 minutes from my parents. So my dad and my mom got in their giant car, the Impala put on their, uh, let's just say, Roger Whitaker music or the Ray Conniff 
CD and drove to Pharmacanus and asked a million questions, but scored their own dope. Uh, My dad's like, excellent, very clean. He's emailing me. I'm like so happy for them. So I'm still my mom's caregiver. I still, I have, I have my temporary card, but now I think they can do this on their own. And then my mother in the happiest voice I've heard in a long time said, they deliver if they can't get out in the snow. So that's really exciting. They deliver. Pharmacanus. So my mom's back on it because she was off of it for about a week. And let's just say there were some adverse effects. She wasn't able to really go out in public because she had to be near a bathroom. I guess when you go off the pot real fast, something bad happens. So now she's back on and she's it's it's uh, my friend Kelly told me she just read an article about uh, marijuana and Alzheimer's. So send that along, Kel, because I'm looking for articles. Many articles. Also role-playing, some role-playing and some acting on how to interact with your loved one with Alzheimer's. I got an article from my friend David about that. So I'm going to, I'm going to learn how to interact respectfully. And then my friend Katie is also going to walk me through how to get Medicaid into my parents' house and provide care, um, you know, on the government dime not out of their pockets. She knows how to do it. So she's going to help me too. So everything's good. My parents are, they're scoring their own weed. The bad news, Tumblr, but really Hanukkah. (laughs) I I might've teased in the last episode that I want to kind of do a Hanukkah versus Christmas uh, contest. Who will win? I don't know a lot about Hanukkah because I wasn't, I'm not Jewish. (laughs) I was raised Catholic and have had 47 Christmases behind me. I've had about eight Hanukkah celebrations uh, under my belt. And uh, I wrote about them. I wrote about them two times when I had my blog. I had a blog, Me on a Diet. If you want, I can send it to you. It's in a giant Word document, but I'd be happy to send that blog along. It's about three years that I, I had it, and uh, it was, uh, I loved writing. I really did. I, I enjoy speaking more. It's a, it's a little less laborious for me, and you get to feel like we're hanging out, right? So anyway, I wrote about Hanukkah, and I am going to read to you two two uh, installments from Me on a Diet about Hanukkah. The first one is called Gimel All the Latkes. (laughs) I'm clever. Okay, so get it? It's a play on words. Gimel All the Latkes. Here we go. This was December of 2010. I'm trying to get all my dreidels spinning at once. (laughs) You don't hear that every day. I'll tell you when you do hear it, you hear it during Hanukkah. When you spin the dreidel, you can only hope that it lands on all or gimel. I love all. Sometimes you just want to scream out gimel and then eat everything you love. Once or twice a year, you get to do that and PowerPoints can suck it. That's a Weight Watchers reference. This week is Hanukkah and thank you, baby Jesus. We were invited to Abby's mom's for a celebration. Marsha is a dynamite person. She is witty, warm, and can serve up a platter of potato latkes the size of my car with ease. The fact that we are included in these feasts makes me so happy I could bust. Speaking of that, I strapped on my Hanukkah-eaten pants and got ready to celebrate the Festival of Lights with Abby's kick-ass family. And instead of visions of sugar plums dancing in my head, it was this crisp, oil-soaked latkes that magically swirled above my head. What should we bring? Jelly donuts, any kind. The Sufkin Yote! We'll bring them! My plan was to go high-end, which in Buffalo would be Paula's Donuts. Paula's is sort of like the Fritter Hollyland <laughs> all its own. 
<laughs> I'm sorry. It says Fritter Holy Land, but <laughs> Fritter Holy Land is really fucking funny. Sorry. Live reading. Yeah, it's a Fritter Holy Land all its own. It deserves its own blog entry. In fact, Paulus Donuts deserves landmark status. Their peanut sticks are worth dying for. Sadly, we were not anywhere near the standalone Paula's, so I stopped at the first ubiquitous Tim Hortons donuts I passed. I asked for a dozen plain jelly donuts at the drive-thru, and the dead, lifeless voice coming out of the hanging speaker broke the news that, sorry, for large orders, you need to call ahead and pre-order. At Tim fucking Hortons? Who in the hell calls a Tim Hortons to place a fucking donut order? Who? And what would they even say when you asked them over the phone? Could I please pre-order some jelly donuts for Hanukkah? (laughs) For what? Forget it. I'll take the frosted jelly ones. Whatever you got. Look at you, Tim Hortons. You're ruining Hanukkah. When I opened the boxes, we pulled away. Of course, they had red and green sprinkles all over them. Perfect. Shit. It's all for cocked. We can't have anything nice. See how they got to sprinkle a little Christmas on Hanukkah? When we got to Marsha's, we could smell the oil in the air when the door opened. It was awesome. Because Hanukkah celebrates the miracle of just a tiny bit of oil burning for eight nights, we go ahead and eat oily foods to commemorate it. This I can live with. It is also said one of the greatest Maccabee victories was the result of feeding the enemy cheese. So simple and clever, and in turn, eating dairy foods is pretty common on Hanukkah. Bring it! Did someone say cheese? This evening was another night where all of my new rules did not apply. I did not care about Weight Watchers, PowerPoints Plus, when face-to-face with these incredible latkes. Feh! I left there smelling like them. I hope my sweater always smells like Marsha's potato latkes. Please let it always smell like the Hanukkah miracle that is the latka. We had chicken that was so tender it flaked apart just by glancing at it. The challah melted in my mouth. All week, Abby had been talking about her mother's pineapple upside down cake, which, by the way, I bolded in my blog. Yeah, it's in all caps. It's a proper noun. Show it some respect. Abby and I were both taking boxing classes, and let me tell you, we boxed our tukuses off. Is that a plural of tukus? Tukuses off so that we could eat it without guilt. This cake, this cake! It was so sweet and coconutty and moist, a word I hate. I was moaning inappropriately at the table, and I didn't even care. I had a piece, then I ate some more. The Maccabees themselves could not have stopped me! There were three menorahs lit that third night of Hanukkah. One was Marsha's, another was her aunt's, the third beautiful gold menorah was her parents. There was so much in the moment that they were lit, so much tradition and respect for the people who had lit them many years ago. More than I could ever love the latkes or the challah or the incredible pineapple upside down cake, I loved being with their family. The oil symbolizes the miracle and the warmth. The warmth that the oil is there to symbolize pales compared to feeling welcome and to feeling like you are part of the family, the mispucha. It was truly my gimel. That was my all. Whenever I read one of these entries, I think, could I go on tour like David Sedaris? (laughs) Though no one's familiar with my work, could I go on tour like David Sedaris and just read my own shit? Would people come and listen? Would it be funny? Oh, God. So, Marsha, we're going over to Marsha's again on Sunday. So, this will be our eighth Hanukkah. And uh, she's really pulled back. She actually has Abby and her daughter, Aaliyah, do the latkes now. Um, I think Marsha is... You never... Never mind. She's she's in her 80s. 
I'm never giving away a lady's age. Plus, she could, she would, she would slice my throat. You'd, you'd have to know Marsha. But um, the next year, I said, I'm going to help you. I want to help you make the latkes. I, I want to be a part of this. Like, I was raised Catholic. I never experienced anything like this in my life. I have no tradition like this. Let me come early. I'll take the day off and I'll come over and I will make the latkes with you. And she was like, yeah, are, are you sure? Because this is, this is laborious. So I went over there uh, the next year and I helped make the latkes. And this is what I wrote. Mamala. How do I know if I've grated enough of the potato? When your knuckles bleed. Oh. <laughs> Until yesterday, I had no idea that there was actual bloodshed involved in a Hanukkah feast, but oy, such grating and peeling. My hands are raw. To me, Marsha is made of some sort of magic, and I wanted to be part of it. Last year at Hanukkah, the amount of potato latkes piled to the ceiling had our mouths hanging open in awe. For the love of God, how does she do it? Please let me be part of this frenzy of Maccabean mayhem. So I took the whole day off to help. I hoped to learn how to make latkes, but what I started to master as we peeled and laughed was far more remarkable. Every time we got all kvetchy about how hard we had worked, the amount of potatoes we had peeled grew in scale. Oi, my back. We must have peeled five pounds of potatoes. Later, I heard Marsha confide, I have to sit down. We peeled literally 15 pounds of potatoes this afternoon. Exactly right, Mamala. 15 pounds. This is a kitchen aid, Marsha said. She had purchased a new grater and peeler just for me so I could have nice new gadgets to make the latkes with. She handed them over and I got to peeling. Was it possible that at 40, I had never peeled a potato? <laughs> I was so nervous that I'd fuck it up. I dropped a few and finally I got all fumbly. Marcia was so encouraging, like I was learning to drive a car. She told me an incredible story about how when she was working at St. Mary's School for the Deaf in the 1960s, the old Miskite nun scolded her for using the non-secular bathroom and how one of the nasties exclaimed and clutched her crucifix when discovered that Marcia was a real live Jewess! A Jewess in the bathroom? I thought it would be a great name for a children's book. A Jewess in the bathroom. Catchy! From then on, I could not stop calling Marsha the barefoot Jewessa in the kitchen. We talked about her family and mine. My recollections of growing up Roman Catholic had us laughing into piles of potatoes. We took breaks and had some wonderful asides about growing up gay and all of the people in her family that only now does she realize were part of my tribe. She told me about one longtime couple years ago who always referred to the other as their business partner, very Beverly Leslie. Whoa. We grated and squeezed squoze and salted and matzo mealed. We hand-kneaded this magic until we could get the miracle of the oil going. I'm schmutzy and loving it, I exclaimed. Being part of this experience meant that I was part of the miracle. By the time the feast was served and the shamus was lit, we were already soaked in oil. It was in our clothes, our hair. I can still smell it on my skin. Eight years later, Marsha led us in what she calls the traditions, and she has a way of sort of quizzing her guests and putting them on the spot, almost to the point of interrogation, Hanukkah interrogation. She throws the questions out there during the traditions. We light the Hanukkah candles before the Shabbat candles. Why, Abby? Why? It was like some sort of Jewish match came. We all had challah and salads and stew. Marsha made homemade applesauce. 10,000 latkes were eaten. There was pineapple upside down cake and Anna's Hanukkah cutouts that Abby made just for me. 
the soft guignot, the donuts, were from Tim Hortons again. It's a tradition, and it is buffalo. So, oh, P.S., they were sold in a Timmy Ho's Halloween box. High end. We were so content and enchanted that I even undid my pants at the table. I didn't give a shit. This boy chick was guilt-free. Mamala and I spent hours talking about love and loss, relationships and recipes, and how if I ever see flour in a recipe for latkes, it's Drek! What I'm beginning to master is not making latkes, although I might probably play second in a latka fry-off. It is just being present and appreciating the miracle in each simple moment. When it was just me and Marsha and the potatoes, I may have been the most fully engaged I've been in a long time. The magic isn't really in the oil. The miracle is in the quiet things. I hope that I master that too. Mazel and happy Hanukkah! Thank you.